And I'm Alistair. We're high school students and art enthusiasts, or I just realized actually that it's pronounced enthusiasts, and I have been saying it wrong this whole time. Enthusiasts is better though. You should keep saying it.、Though. That is so true. I am always right. Anyway, if you hear this, you have been lucky enough to stumble upon our podcast, Books, Ballads, and B-Roll. Keep listening if you enjoy hearing about literature, music, and movies. In this episode, we're going to be talking about themes of transportation in the story *The Red Convertible* by Louise Erdrich, the movie *Howl's Moving Castle* by Studio Ghibli, and the song *Fast Car* by Tracy Chapman. The Red Convertible is a short story from *Love Medicine* by Louise Erdrich. It's narrated by a boy named Lyman, and it revolves around his relationship with his older brother Henry. And the two are very close and bond over their shared red convertible. But when Henry returns from the Vietnam War, he's traumatized and closed off, which is something that Lyman really struggles to understand. And the whole story is about their relationship dynamics. And So there's a lot of symbolism in this story. First of all, the setting is really significant as the two live on the Chippewa Reservation in South Dakota. But the first part of the story is mainly about their adventures in the red convertible, and the story opens with a very adventurous and freeing kind of feeling as the brothers are first tasting their independence and enjoying this carefree adolescent experience. And the setting is constantly shifting as they're driving freely in their red convertible, which evokes a sense of freedom and like limitless possibility.、And、in contrast, when Henry returns from the war with PTSD later, their world kind of shrinks to the living room and the TV, which creates a claustrophobic, stressful environment, which is reminiscent of Henry being trapped in his own mind. Also, after Henry's death, Lyman pushes the car into the river. Henry dies Henry. at the end. By yeah. The way. Yeah. Sorry, sorry for, for spoiling that, but we you should go read it anyway. Yeah. It's, it's a really good. It's、story. hard to explain like the symbolism and everything、yeah. without explaining that. Yeah. But and, yeah, Henry does、um, drown yeah, himself in the river some, at the、yeah. end of the story, which is very sad. Indeed.、Yeah. And yeah, so Lyman pushes the car into the river after him, and like after Henry's death and the disappearance of the car, Lyman also notes that. Now he walks everywhere because he doesn't have the car.、Mm-hmm. Henry has it,、um, which represents the disappearance of his options. And so basically, just the movement from a setting that is like a literal blur to a setting that's extremely limited is one way、mm-hmm. in which transportation is quite symbolic and really pretty central to the story. The red convertible may also represent the relationship between Henry and Lyman, or it could represent Henry himself. In the beginning, the convertible is shiny, new, and bright, and reflects the adventurousness of the brothers. But while Henry is at war, and then when he returns and is suffering from trauma, the car is neglected and not in prime condition. At the end, the car follows him into the water when he dies, and Lyman is left without his brother and without their car. Yeah, so the car is obviously a pretty central feature of the book because it could represent a lot of different things. It could represent the hopefulness that they have before the traumatic experience of the war, and like the freedom to to move around from place to place. But it could also represent Henry and the relationship because obviously it's a Very central component of their relationship, and when Henry returns from war and he's just staring at the TV and sitting in the same room all the time, then to try him to be less closed off and more adventurous again, Lyman actually like wrecks the car kind of,、mm-hmm. so that then Henry can focus on fixing it, and、yeah. so that's kind of significant of like 
the grounding force that their relationship has in their life and like how important it is to both of them yeah and it's also really sad that like henry like the that sort of gesture of like he pretends that the car is broken so that henry can fix it in hopes that henry will sort of come back to his previous condition before the war and that the relationship can be mended as henry fixes the car it's really sad because in the end that doesn't really work out and their relationship and henry weren't able to be fixed so yeah very sad So our next piece of media is also centralized around transportation, and it's the movie How's Moving Castle by Studio Ghibli, which in our previous episode, we also talked about another Studio Ghibli movie, but we are not going to apologize on focusing on Miyazaki films. No, we are not, because they are just some of the best animated films we have ever seen, and we will shamelessly defend that stance. Indeed. (laughs) Actually, the movie is also based on a book of the same title by renowned fantasy author Diana Wynne-Jones, who we strongly recommend as well. You should definitely read the book as well as watching the movie. And the movie changes some aspects from the book, but I think this is what allows it to be equally as good, even though it's not the original story. But anyway, the protagonist of Howl's Moving Castle is Sophie, who is the eldest of three sisters and heiress to a hat shop. She feels resigned to a life of quiet drudgery and loneliness there, but then the feared Witch of the Waste comes to her shop in disguise. And when Sophie stands up to her unknowingly, the witch casts a spell that turns her into an old lady. As a result, Sophie must leave home in search of a cure, and on her journey she accidentally finds herself staying in the castle of a notorious wizard named Howl, who supposedly eats women's hearts. Um, there are a lot of scary witches and wizards in this movie, but actually Howell seems rather welcoming and his castle is very interesting because it has like legs and can walk around. As a result of Howell's fire demon, the castle is sort of magically lifted out of reality and can just do all sorts of things that it shouldn't really be able to do. Not only does it walk around, but it also exists in multiple locations at once, and they can like choose to go out the door into multiple different places, which is very interesting. Now we're going to take a brief break to feature a commercial from another up-and-coming podcast. After the break, we'll discuss why we chose to feature Howl's Moving Castle in the same episode as the Red Convertible. Hi, my name is Chris Turnbull, and I'm the host of a podcast called Pitch Perfect. In my show, you learn all about soccer. We talk about the history of the sport, different leagues, and all about the best players and teams ever. Listen anywhere you get podcasts. My show and this one are proud members of the Hopewell Valley Student Podcasting Network found online at hvspn.com. The opinions expressed in this episode are those of the hosts only and not of HVSPN or Hopewell Valley Regional School District. Please enjoy the show. So the reason that we chose this movie in the same episode as The Red Convertible is the setting of a method of transportation is very similar in that the characters are constantly 
moving around for a lot of the story and as a result it creates a feeling of freedom or like being lifted out of typical reality but at the same time Howl's castle actually serves to hide him from a lot of the things he wants to escape from in the world and as the movie progresses it seems like almost trapping him rather than allowing him to escape and at the end of the movie he has to accept not staying secluded in his constantly moving castle and facing his fears which we'll talk more about later but yeah what i noticed when i first watched it was that the castle appears really pretty mysterious and almost threatening at first Mm -hmm. to sophie but then it ends up shielding them from a lot of what's going on with like the war and yeah just more sinister forces yeah there's also a war going on sort of in the background that like Howl is trying to avoid. That's one of the things he's trying to avoid, but yeah. Yeah. Which I guess also relates to the red convertible because... Yeah, with the Vietnam War and the way that sometimes people are not able to escape these kinds of wars even if they try to because Howl also ends up fighting in the war and he comes to like almost lose himself in his magical form that he takes on when he goes out to fight in the war, which is pretty similar actually to Henry and the trauma that he faces after the Vietnam War. Yeah. There's also, each character has kind of their own strange mode of transportation. Like, for example, Mm -hmm. there's the scarecrow, I think. Oh, yeah. That is actually a a prince, like, that was turned into a scarecrow. Yeah. Also by the Witch of the Waste, I think. Yes. Yes. And he kind of, like, hops hops up and down. Yeah. Turnip head. Like a rabbit. Yes. Is what Sophie calls him. And Sophie kind of, she probably has a bit more difficulty with mobility than she did before she was turned into an old lady like it's probably Mm -hmm. a bit difficult for her to suddenly find herself in this body and like trying to move around in this body that she's not used to or that she hasn't like grown into yeah and then there's also the calcifer i think the fire yeah the fire demon and he's kind of like we love calcifer yes we do he's a great character Mm -hmm. but he's kind of like trapped because he's he also trapped, even yeah. Really he can't. On his own. He's in the fireplace. He has to be kind of scooped out. I and think, he, by yeah, Sophie. He does. So. And he's he's trapped also in his contract with Howell that they're sort of both trapped in because he has like Howell's heart inside of him. Yeah. So if he leaves the contract, they'll both like die. Indeed. Um, and it's only at the end of the movie that they find a way to escape the bonds of their contract without causing harm to one another. But yeah. Car is the song that we've selected for this episode for, I suppose, obvious reasons. And Fast Car is written by Tracy Chapman. And I think it's probably her best known song, at least in America. It's basically about a young couple who both come from very difficult backgrounds, or at least the narrator does. The narrator takes care of an alcoholic father after her mother leaves them and also works a job as a checkout girl. And the narrator dreams of escaping this environment in her lover's fast car for a better life in the suburbs. But when this dream is finally achieved, it's also kind of shattered. 
and she creates a better life for both of them where she makes enough money to pay the bills, but the person that she's singing about ends up spending most of their time at the bar and neglecting the family that they've built. So there is some ambiguity to who the speaker of the song is and to who it might be about. We're not really sure if the song is from Tracy Chapman's perspective or what the gender of the person she's singing about is. And Tracy Chapman herself says that she didn't really write the song with a specific person in mind, but now she thinks it could be about her parents because they both Mm. didn't have many opportunities in life and they had hoped that if they stuck together, they would be able to make it in life and transcend the cycle of poverty they were in. And Tracy herself, she grew up in a black working class family in Ohio, raised by a single mom. So I imagine this song is probably based on a culmination of people that she met who were hoping that their lives could improve. Yeah. And yeah, it kind of, the song evokes a sort of sense of longing and nostalgia because at the point in time that the narrator is singing, her illusions of having a better life have been shattered and she's sort of remembering when she was younger and her dreams felt really simple and achievable and it seems like she's almost longing for that feeling. Like even though her life was more difficult and now she's managed to escape the cycle of poverty before she at least had a dream and a path to focus on, whereas now she is also kind of aimless and doesn't have anyone who she can rely on. And also, in a way, she didn't manage to escape because when she was young, she was tucked taking care of her alcoholic father. And now the very person that she thought she was in this together with has kind of gone down the same path her dad did, it suggested. And there's no fast card that she can take to escape because they've created a home and a family together. And then also it's interesting because actually in the last lines, she does say to the other person, you got a fast car, is it fast enough so you can fly away? Before she said, is it fast enough so we can fly away? Mm -hmm. But now she just says you. So it seems that while she no longer has this hope of escaping, she still really wants her partner to be able to. and, Mm -hmm. And she kind of believes that like if this person who she loves can manage to escape then a part of her will have as well yeah it's a lot of different interpretations yeah so in fast car like the other two media the method of trying to escape or transport yourself away from the realities that you've been living with or the difficult things that you're dealing with in your life was not really successful like the red convertible didn't allow henry and lyman to escape from the vietnam war Howell's castle didn't allow him to escape from anything, from the Witch of the Waste who was chasing him, from the war that he ultimately still had to participate in, and from his fears of disappointing other people. Ultimately, he had to confront all those things. And in Fast Car, the narrator isn't really ultimately able to escape the cycles of poverty that the song is talking about. But Yeah, and also, like, while on one hand the song is very obviously about these cycles of poverty, I think... Maybe the reason why it's resonant for so many people in America, regardless of where they come from, uh, is that it's just a really thoughtful commentary on false hope and the American dream in general. The car is quite symbolic of this, and Mm -hmm. cars are, are significant to America as they represent this illusion of freedom and mobility. Um, Like when you have a car, you can supposedly go anywhere and you're not confined to the place you grew up in or the place that you're living in. Uh, But cars are fallible. They require money to buy and they ultimately break down or end up replaced by newer models. 
which also kind of reminds me of The Great Gatsby, where、mm-hmm. the car represents the American dream, and the devastating crash at the end is representative of the false hope that accompanies this dream. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and yeah. So this song also it, it evokes a sense of nostalgia for me personally because my mom and her sister both really love it. And actually, the first time I heard it, I think I was on a car trip with my cousins to the museum for my mom's birthday, and it's the one moment that we always look back on, and it's like one of the peaks of our childhood. And I remember、mm-hmm. on that car ride, everything just felt really carefree, and we were all telling stories and laughing so hard, and taking turns choosing songs and stopping at the mall and like different places. And it's kind of a bittersweet memory because, first of all, the car stopped working eventually, and we had to get a new one, which was too small to、oh, fit、no. my whole family. Oh no! <laughs> I know, like with my aunt and my cousins and everything. So that was sad. And also, since we're all older, there's more stress, and life feels a lot more complicated. And so the way we felt on that car ride, it would probably be impossible to really replicate. But yeah, and ultimately, I guess these methods of transportation can represent the way that hopes for the future, how things are going to work out, are often fleeting, and the reality often turns out to be different or unable to be turned back to how it was before. Yeah.、But、so I guess it's another kind of sad episode. But yeah, sorry、I、about mean, that. It's. <laughs> Sad really, things are meaningful, though. Yeah. So. And there's hope in in each of these stories. Yeah,、so. definitely. Yeah. So thank you guys. Thanks for listening. Yeah, and also sorry for the bad quality of our audio. Like, there we're also recording this at school, and there are some people, a lot of people outside、so、of the podcast. So we apologize for that. Yeah,、Ugh. they're being very noisy. Anyway. Anyway. Farewell. farewell.